0: Would you uh, join me once more in thanking John and Faith and Elise for leading us in worship today? Thank you so much. And thank you, Jan, as well. Well, let's uh, bow together as we look to God's Word. Lord, this morning we have come with lots of things on our hearts and minds. We've come with celebrations for moms, parent-child dedications, Lots of things, but now we turn our hearts towards you in your word and desire to hear from you. And we realize this morning that you have something to say to each of us. And though it will be a similar message from this platform, what your Holy Spirit wants to do is to personalize it to every one of us. You want to speak to every one of us. So right now, God, we open our hearts and we ask that we would be those who would listen and that our response to you this morning would be pleasing to you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk about tools. I figured that nothing says uh, Happy Mother's Day like tools, right? So I brought my uh, one of my tool bags with me this morning. Would you like to know what's in it? The answer is yes. OK. All right. Work with me here. Uh, first of all, I've got one of my hammers. I've had this for 30 years. I love this hammer. Um, I also have this. It's a nail puller. And uh, if you bend a nail and need to pull it out, this comes in very handy. I use it quite a bit. Um, I got it from my um, great-grandfather. I have lots of carpenters and general contractors in my family. This is one of my uh, tools I inherited. Uh, I also see this at my dentist office, by the way. Where's Dr. Okamoto? Does he need to borrow it? Where are you at there? And then I have uh, my favorite tool. Look at this. Power drill. All the guys out there, your eyes are lighting up. I can see that. The ladies are saying, whatever. Uh, But this is a uh, variable speed, reversible power drill. Now, the other day, my wife was in the kitchen, and she made the observation that our cabinets didn't have knobs on them. And as I was listening to her, I'm thinking, if we put knobs on these cabinets, it's 26 holes I get to drill with my power drill. And so I took off to the hardware store and bought the knobs, came back. The whole time I was driving to the hardware store, I was thanking the Lord for my wise and wonderful wife. And I came back, and within 25 minutes of her observing we needed knobs, I was drilling my holes for them. Well, this morning, I want to talk about tools, but not about a toolkit, but a relational toolkit. I don't want to talk about tools for building things. I want to talk about tools for building lives. Let me tell you where I'm going to go this morning. Today we celebrate mothers. And what is one of the most distinguishing marks about moms? Well, I think we would all agree that moms value relationships, right? They love to connect heart to heart, especially with those closest to them. So moms, we've got some important things to say to you today. But this morning, I want to go beyond mothers. And I want to talk to everyone in the room. Because for all of us, life is made up. Life is full of relationships. Now, what do we know about relationships? Well, relationships are life-giving. Relationships are energizing. Relationships bring joy. But on the other hand, relationships can be fragile. Relationships can be challenging. Relationships can crash and burn, can't they? Today, I want to talk about an essential tool in your relationship toolkit, a tool, a gift that is simply indispensable. I want to talk about an ingredient for life that every one of us needs. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter three, Colossians chapter three in the New Testament. And as you're turning there. Allow me to create some context for what we'll see this morning. The first several verses of Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is laying down a challenge to the believer, to the Christ follower. He's talking about our new life in Christ. And he basically is saying that our new life in Christ needs to be matched with new eyes. That is, because of our salvation, we need to see life Differently, And then as he moves into the passage we want to look at today, we are told that as God's chosen people, we are to dress for success. But he doesn't give us a list of fashion tips, but he gives us some truths for living life. Let's stand together as I read for us Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Now today, I want to narrow our focus. And I want to look exclusively at verse 13 of Colossians 3. And I want to give particular attention to the subject, the topic, the indispensable gift of forgiveness. Look with me once more at verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What would God have us to understand about the all important subject of forgiveness. And beyond understanding, how would he have us live? I want to highlight three truths today from this passage. The first is this we are to make room for the shortcomings of others. We are to create space for others, realizing that we are all under construction, we are all works in progress. The statement is simple make allowance. For the faults of others. So, what's being said here? To make allowance is to hold up or to hold back. It is to endure patiently the imperfections, not the sins, the imperfections of another person. Now, don't raise your hand, but do you have any people in your circle of relationships that have imperfections? You know anybody like that? We're talking about people in our world, in our relationships, who rub us the wrong way, who bother us, who seem to be able to get under our skin somehow. Do you get the picture? Or do you have a picture, perhaps, of someone who fits that description? Maybe it's the uh, person at the office who never cleans up their mess in the lunchroom. Maybe it's the next door neighbor who owns the Harley Davidson motorcycle and starts that thing up just a little bit too early on Saturday morning. Maybe it's someone in your family who always seems to be complaining about something. You see, the Bible is so relevant. It's so real. It tells us to expect, to expect that there will be people in our world on a regular basis with whom we will need to make allowance for. So how are you doing? How do you measure your progress? Throughout our time this morning, I want to take a few moments to pause at different points and to give us the opportunity to make sure that we are allowing God to speak to our hearts and to apply His truths to our lives so that we walk out of here a little bit different than when we came in. So I'm going to give you a couple take home tests, all right? Here's the first one. Do you make allowances for the faults of others as evidenced by an ever expanding circle of people who on your own you would not choose to embrace? Can you reflect on that for a moment? Is your circle expanding or is it contracting? Who do you need to make room for? Or maybe the better question is, who is God asking you to make room for? Truth number one, make room for the shortcomings of others. The second thing we learn from Colossians 3, verse 13, is to forgive those Who have offended us. We are called to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, friends, it is an understatement to say that life is full of painful circumstances where others have hurt us, have injured us, have mistreated us. For years, you nurtured a deep friendship with a special friend, sharing secrets of heart and soul a bond that you thought could never be broken, only to have that person breach your confidence to break your trust. The man you loved and vowed your life to has been living a lie, shattering the sanctity of your marriage, living a life of unfaithfulness, unrepentant, defiant. You grew up in a home where love was measured out according to your performance. What little love you received, you had to earn. And those entrusted to your care have stolen from you the warmth, the gift of unconditional acceptance. And the list goes on and on. None of us walk through this life exempt, untouched from the hurtful actions of others. It is a fact of life. But unfortunately, we often make matters worse, don't we? We complicate and compound the wrongful actions of others by choosing to deal with the hurt and pain in counterproductive ways some of the hurtful actions that come our way that impact our lives, in response, we launch a counterattack. Some kind of retaliation. Firing off heat-seeking missiles of revenge. And then there's other of us, on the other hand, who choose to stuff and store our hurt. Trying to convince ourselves that everything's fine. But then we're perplexed. By these seemingly random, easily triggered eruptions of emotions that come deep within us. And because we choose to deal counterproductively with the hurtful actions of others, the shelves of our lives are overstocked with yesterday's resentments. Like a backpack full of bricks, we're weighted down with stored up grudges trying to keep current with yesterday's backlog of interpersonal offense seems like the impossible dream because yesterday's issues remain largely unresolved. You know what I'm talking about? What do we do? Where do we turn? Colossians 3 says, Forgive anyone... Who offends you? Now let's take a closer look. The word "forgive" that's used here in this particular context has, as its meaning, the, uh, the the meaning of to cancel a debt. It also could be translated to give grace. And so let me pull together those different concepts and offer to you a working definition that goes like this: Forgiveness is to release a person who has wronged you from any personal expression of punishment. Christian psychiatrist and personal friend, Dr. Dwight Carlson, in his book, Overcoming Hurts and Anger, says this, to forgive is to choose actively to give up our grudge despite the severity of the injustice. To forgive is to let go of the need for retribution. To forgive is to no longer have a desire for revenge. To forgive is to no longer exact personal expressions of punishment for the one who has hurt you. But for a moment, I need you to hear my heart, because we are not talking about condoning, justifying, making light of those who have hurt us. Life is full of unspeakable acts of hatred that defy all human sensibility. So mark it down. These unspeakable acts are recorded on God's ledger of justice. Our God does keep score. You know that. Romans 13 says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. God will settle the score. That's His responsibility. Our responsibility is to forgive those who have offended us. I want to think for a moment about the difference between forgiving someone who's offended us and restoring, reconciling a broken relationship. There's a difference. Forgiveness opens the door for restoration, but it doesn't guarantee it. Let's see if we can uh, unpack this. God gives us the individual responsibility to forgive those who have offended us. However, the reconciling, the coming together of a shattered relationship requires the active participation of both parties, right? Let's demonstrate this. I'm going to ask, uh, where's Felton? Felton, come on up here for a moment. We're going to give you a live demonstration of what we're talking about here. This is Felton Taylor, good friend, good brother, and he and I went to New Orleans together. How you doing, man? You're looking sharp. Okay, now we're going to role play this a little bit. So, Felton and I, we now have an estranged, unreconciled relationship. So Felton, you face that way. I'll face this way. We'll put our arms over here. Do we look like we're at odds? Okay. Now let's give it a story. Uh, Let's say that Felton and I, we work at the same company. And we're interested in the same promotion. And so what I do is I go out and I start spreading rumors about Felton. And I ultimately end up with... The promotion, okay? Now, we're both believers, so what does God ask of Felton? Well, Colossians 3.13 says that he's to forgive anyone who's offended him. So Felton, let you, you forgive me, so you turn towards me, kind of do this, that you're, uh, open your arms to me. But, but I'm over here, and I'm still being a jerk. I'm still being self-righteous and, you know, justifying that what I did was right, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't have a restore. We, we, we have forgiveness, right, on, on Felton's part. But do we have a restored relationship? Doesn't look like it, huh? You see, but Felton has done. Thank you, Felton. Appreciate it. We'll do it again another time, man. All right. <laughs> um But Felton did what God asked him to do. He wasn't responsible for my actions or my response. He simply was responsible to do what God asked him to do. And he he fulfilled the requirement of Colossians 3. Not only did he do that, he just discharged the call that God gives to every one of us. In Romans 13, we read these words, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So God doesn't hold us accountable for the actions of others, but he does hold us accountable for our actions. So here's our second take-home test. Have you done all that you can to live at peace with those who have offended you? That's the question. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Every one of us, somewhere on our family tree, is probably a person that we need to think about. Do we need to do something to restore, at least do our part to restore a relationship? Who would God put on your heart? Well, so far we have seen that God calls us to make room for the shortcomings of others and to forgive those who have offended us. But there's another truth that emerges from Colossians 3.13, and it goes like this. Remind yourself of what God has done for you. Rehearse frequently what the Lord has given you. Whatever you do, don't ever stray far from the reality that you are a forgiven person. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, I want to pull two things out of this particular section of Colossians 3.13. And I want us, first of all, to see that we have an, an example to follow. We have a model in Jesus Christ to imitate. We have the ultimate showcase of what it means to forgive someone who has offended us. Now let's get brutally honest. What do you do when the notion of forgiving someone that has hurt you deeply seems simply untenable? It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Some things just seem unforgivable. I can't do that. Have you ever been there? I have. We all have. You see, friends... We will never get to the place where we can freely forgive those who have offended us until we are simply overwhelmed with just how much we are undeserving of God's forgiveness to us. Right? Oh, for a deeper understanding a deeper humility, a deeper sense of desperation of who we would be apart from the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Every person who is a born-again believer, every person who has trusted Jesus and Jesus alone for their salvation, has received forgiveness for sins. And we have received that which we did not deserve, and even if we had a thousand lifetimes, could never earn. Friends, mark it down. Etch it in your hearts. We have been forgiven of our self-centeredness, our destructive words, our worship of possessions, our violent acts, our explosive anger, our lustful thoughts, our disobedient decisions, our false humility our sinful choices, our rebellious attitude, our love of money, our arrogant spirit. And friends, you know it like me. That's just the start of the list. And when you come to grips with what you have been forgiven of, things change, don't they? You become a different person. Romans 5 puts it this way. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love... I'm sorry, I got the wrong passage there. Let's go to the Romans. Okay, Romans 5 says this. And I want you just to hear these words, they're very candid words, and just to allow them just to soak in. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Now the clear teaching of Romans 5 is this, that God reached out with His forgiveness to us When we were shaking our fists in His face in defiance. When there was nothing attractive about us. Don't miss this. If we could for a moment experience what God experiences when confronted with the stench of our sin, a God who is rightfully addressed as holy, 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 then we would tremble at the audacity of withholding forgiveness from those who have offended us. When you have acknowledged just how much you've been forgiven, all of a sudden, you have a new set of eyes. Don't you? All of a sudden, the hurtful actions of others in contrast to our actions. Pale in contrast. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Being forgiven releases you to be forgiving. Being forgiven releases you to be forgiving. But not only do we have a model to follow in Christ, we have a power on which we can rely. An ever-available resource. Friends, let's face it, granting forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. It doesn't come naturally. It's not part of the standard operating equipment for us as human beings. But every one of us who is a believer... According to Galatians 5, we are either controlled by the Holy Spirit or the sinful nature. That's the teaching of Galatians 5. And so to the extent that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to fill and control us, we are completely, completely resourced to forgive even the most despicable offender in our life. So I've got two questions. They're kind of personal. The first is this. Are you a forgiven person? Have you experienced the forgiveness that God offers to you through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have you come to recognize that you have an insurmountable debt, a debt of sin... Way, way, way beyond your capacity to repay. And if you come to realize that the only acceptable payment for your sin is the one that Jesus made 2,000 years ago. If you're not a forgiven person, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Titus In chapter 3 says this, But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The second question is this Are you a forgiving person? When you're offended, do you release the offender from any personal expression of punishment? Have you, Having accepted the free gift of forgiveness from God, do you turn around and become a conduit and let that flow to others in your life? So here's our final take-home question. Does the forgiveness you've received get passed along to others? What kind of grade would you give yourself? And more importantly, what kind of grade would God give you? Being forgiven releases you to be forgiving. Forgiveness is an indispensable gift. It is the most important tool in your toolkit. Nine years ago, when my wife and I were living in the South Bay in Palos Verdes, We woke up to an amazing story on the front page of the Daily Breeze, the local newspaper. Outraged by the breakup of their relationship, a man murdered his 22-year-old girlfriend. This person was tried, convicted, and sentenced right there in the Torrance Superior Courthouse. And it was big news, as you can imagine, in our community. But the news got bigger. You see, the victim's mother, a lady by the name of Mona Lisa Gates, was a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. And on that day of the sentencing, lights, camera, action, news reporters, she steps up to the mic. And did the unthinkable. And did what only the forgiven can do. These were her words to the news reporter. Vengeance is God's, not mine. I can and do forgive him. And I pray that he receives Christ. Are you a forgiven person? And are you a forgiving person? Being forgiven releases you to be forgiving. Let's pray together. For just a moment, would you just bow your heads and just to create a personal moment All through this week, there have been people praying for you who would attend this service, asking that every one of us would be responsive to whatever the Spirit of God is speaking into your heart. That personal, customized Word from God to you. Maybe you're in that category of you're wondering, no, I I haven't been forgiven. I don't know what it means To be released from the debt of sin. And today, I trust Jesus and Jesus alone as my eternal Savior. And I receive that gift of forgiveness. That gift of eternal life. That gift of both life eternal and life abundant. Or maybe you're struggling with releasing someone from the offense that they have done in your life. And today God's saying, I'm there for you. Look at what I've done in your life. Look what I've forgiven you of. Go now and release that person from any sense of wanting to seek retribution, punishment. To see a relationship restored, reconciled. and receiving God's smile, His delight, on such an action. God, each weekend as we come, we're just reminded that Your Word is so relevant. You speak to our lives today. You speak and You also bring resource to us through the indwelling presence and power of Your Holy Spirit to do the things that we could never do on our own but with You we can do and receive Your pleasure. So God, continue to stir in our hearts. May today be a wonderful day of celebration, but may it also be a day of taking whatever steps You would have us to take to be the people, the Christ followers that You desire for us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.